It's Wednesday, May 8th, and this is TikTok. A big hello to all of our listeners. I'm Andrew Mock, and this is your TikTok podcast with all the global news you need to know. Today, we're talking about Iran and the major announcement that it will suspend some of its commitments under the landmark 2015 nuclear deal, formerly known as the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action. In a televised speech, President Hassan Rouhani said the country would resume high-level enrichment of uranium, which is used in nuclear reactors, if the country did not get better terms for the deal. We did not initiate the violation of commitment, and we will not initiate any wars. We have never ever given in to bullying, and we will never ever succumb to bullying, and we will respond to any aggressor. The news comes as the U.S. marks one year since President Donald Trump pulled out of the agreement, which was intended to prevent Iran from developing nuclear weapons. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo accused the country's move of being, quote, intentionally ambiguous. We'll have to wait to see what Iran's actions actually are. Uh, They've made a number of statements about actions they threatened to do in order to get the world to jump. Joining me now to dive into the story and its implications is Nick Wadhams. He's a State Department reporter for Bloomberg News in Washington. Nick, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So let's start with this most recent news. President Trump issued an executive order prohibiting the purchase of Iranian iron, steel, aluminum and copper. What's the motivation behind this? According to President Trump, who issued a a statement sort of explaining this uh, decision after the Department of Treasury uh, issued the announcement, metals like these, copper, aluminum, etc., account for about 10% of the revenue Iran gets from its exports. Uh, So the administration first went after oil and gas exports, and now uh, it's going after metals. So they see this as another way to strangle the Iranian economy. So this is obviously after Iran's announcement earlier today that it will suspend some of its commitments under the 2015 nuclear deal. Iran is basically saying here that the U.S. is not in compliance with its parts of the deal, so there's no need for it to honor its parts of the agreement. How is Iran planning on deviating from the JCPA? The move that Iran made earlier today was really directed at Europe. What they're saying is, yes, the U.S. has gotten out of this deal um, and imposed all these sanctions, but we're really looking to you, to the European countries that were also partners and uh, signatories to the Iran nuclear deal, uh, to make sure that we continue to see the benefits uh, of it, the benefits that we expected we would be getting when we agreed to limits on our nuclear program. Um, So far, countries around the world have basically made the choice that they would rather do business with the United States than with Iran, uh, given that they would face such severe sanctions from the U.S. if they do business. So Iran is really trying to uh, impress a sense of urgency on European countries that want the deal to remain alive. What they've said is essentially they've given a a 60-day ultimatum where they've said if if we don't start to see the benefits of the deal within 60 days, we're going to start taking steps sort of around the margins of of commitments uh, that were made under the deal, chiefly on um, limits on uh, the amount of enriched uranium that they're allowed to have and the amount of heavy water uh, that they're allowed to have uh, that comes from the process of uranium enrichment. So these are not actions that would put a stake through the heart of the deal, uh, but they would sort of um, chip away at the edges of it and would force 
uh, countries in Europe to really make a reckoning and, and decide whether they want to declare the deal dead or try to keep it alive in some way. So there's obviously much concern with the increased tension between Iran and the United States. And of course, we're witnessing this military buildup after the U.S. sent an aircraft carrier and Air Force bombers to the Middle East in response to potential threats from Iran. First of all, are we aware of specific intelligence that tells us these threats are credible? The administration argues that these threats were very credible. They, they felt that there was an immediate threat to U.S. forces in the region. Um, the indications are that that would have uh, been against U.S. forces um, in Iraq, possibly, uh, engaging in the fight against the Islamic State. That prompted Secretary of State Pompeo uh, to make an unscheduled trip to Baghdad yesterday to sort of uh, show U.S. support for Iraq um, in the face of what the U.S. believes uh, were those threats. So, I mean, the, the administration is certainly taking that very seriously. Um, and these were all really designed to be essentially a show of force. The, the, the Abraham Lincoln, that aircraft carrier strike group, was going to be headed to the region anyways. Uh, what the Defense Department decided to do was accelerate the timeline, basically to send a signal to Iran, as the administration puts it, uh, which was, hey, we see what you're up to. Uh, you can't hide anything from us. We believe this threat is credible. Uh, we know what you're planning to do, and here is uh, here are the consequences that you could face if you decide to go ahead with those actions. Still, it does seem like sort of a hawkish stance from the U.S. Do you think the U.S. is trying to provoke Iran here to make a first move? You know, it's a great question because the, everyone is so still cognizant of what happened in the Iraq War and the run-up uh, to the Iraq War and. Uh, under George W. Bush, and there is an anxiety that everything that this administration says is just sort of a fait accompli uh, in the run-up to a war. Um, we can only take the administration at their word on a lot of this stuff right now. Brian Hook, the State Department Special Representative for Iran, told us earlier today that, listen, the Iranian regime never responds, never changes its behavior without three things, economic pressure, diplomatic isolation, and the threat of military force. They have said repeatedly they don't want a war, but they've also sort of tipped their hand on what they believe the strategy is, which is that you have to threaten these things in order to compel Iran to change its behavior. And what would a war with Iran even look like? That's, that's a great question. You know, President Trump ran on a promise not to commit U.S troops to uh, foreign wars and foreign entanglements. He said he wanted to get the U.S. out of situations like that. Um, the question is whether the U.S. would give a green light to Israel uh, to launch some sort of uh, bombing campaign that would potentially take out Iranian uh, nuclear capacity, or whether the United States would do something like that as well. Uh, they have discussed those military options. There, there is no question that the Defense Department and the U.S. sort of national security apparatus has has come up with plans for what it would do. Uh, but it's a big risk. The president is obviously loath to commit U.S. troops, and some of Iran's own capabilities are, in, in some cases, buried literally under mountains and would be very difficult to take out. So there's a real 
uh, and this is sort of a cold way of putting it, there's a real cost-benefit analysis there. Uh, what would you really have to do to take out this nuclear program? It, w- it would be very, very difficult to achieve. And so now I think more than ever, the question is, will it be possible to salvage the Iran nuclear deal? That is a fantastic question. It depends on who you ask. European countries are saying publicly that they believe this deal is still the best shot toward achieving what they want, which is definitively uh, dismantling any notion that Iran would have a nuclear weapon. So that's, that's really their focus. They believe this deal is the best chance to achieve that end. The United States believes it's fatally flawed. Uh, they want Iran to continue to abide by the terms of it, so don't break out and try to pursue a nuclear weapon. Iran, by the way, has always denied that it ever even wanted a nuclear weapon. But the U.S. believes this deal is, is really flawed, and what they would like to see is a new, better deal, something stronger. So it's possible that Iran will back down from this ultimatum made earlier today uh, and try to claim victory with some small benefit it gets from, from European countries. But at the moment, it's a weird situation where no one is satisfied. The U.S. is not satisfied with the deal that it has in place and wants a better one. Iran is not satisfied because it doesn't believe it's getting the benefit uh, it signed up for uh, by agreeing to this deal. All right, Nick Wadhams, State Department reporter for Bloomberg News. Thanks for speaking with me today. Hey, my pleasure. Turning now to other news of the day, here's what's happening. President Donald Trump asserted executive privilege over the full unredacted version of the special counsel Robert Mueller's Russia report, the Justice Department said today. The move is used to protect confidentiality and allows Trump to keep information from the courts, Congress and the public. The announcement came as the House Judiciary Committee pushed forward in voting on whether to hold Attorney General William Barr in contempt of Congress for withholding the report despite a subpoena for the documents. House Judiciary Chair Gerald Nadler said this. Besides misapplying the doctrine of executive privilege, since the White House waived these privileges long ago and the department seemed open to sharing these materials with us just yesterday, this decision represents a clear escalation in the Trump administration's blanket defiance of Congress' constitutionally mandated duties. If your commute was a bit slower this morning, this might be why. Uber and Lyft drivers in more than a dozen cities went on strike today to protest for better working conditions as the company prepares for what is expected to be a blockbuster initial public offering this week. International strikes were seen in parts of the UK, Australia, and South America. In the US, drivers logged off their apps for hours in San Diego, Los Angeles, and Atlanta. And in New York, drivers rallied outside Uber's headquarters. Drivers should have a guarantee of 80 to 85 percent of the fare. No more upfront pricing where drivers are cut out of the fare revenue. And we want an end to deactivations without any notice or just cause. And finally, the world got its first look at the new royal baby today, whose name was also announced. Archie Harrison Mountbatten-Windsor joined his parents, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, for the first in a lifetime of photo calls at Windsor Castle. The two-day-old baby is seventh in line for the throne. Markle, the Duchess of Sussex, declared motherhood to be, quote, magic. It's pretty amazing, and I mean, I have the two best guys in the world, so I'm really happy. He has the sweetest temperament. He's really calm and... He's, been, he's just been the dream, so it's been a special couple days. 
Actor George Clooney also showed his support for Markle, saying the media should be a little kinder to the new mom. It's never about the media following you around because if you're a royal, that's part of what you have to do. It's the other versions of it, going to uh, interview people's parents, that kind of stuff that it starts to step into a really dark place. That's your TikTok update for Wednesday. You can learn more about all of these stories everywhere we are. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and check us out on Instagram at TikTok. Thanks for listening. I'm Andrew Mock, and be sure to download the TikTok podcast every day for all the global news you need to know. Thank you.